Come on, amen. Easter. Listen, it's all about the resurrection of Christ. If Christ had not risen, the Bible says our faith is in vain. And uh, this week I was, uh, we were looking at purchasing a camera. And I went on this uh, website. It's called B&H Video. It's uh, one of the largest video places in the world. They sell more cameras and production equipment. It's a huge place in New York City. And it's owned by a conservative Orthodox Jewish man. And when I went on the website this week, it said, place your orders by such and such date because we close for Passover. Passover is from March 25th until April 3rd. They close for all eight days. They make it a holiday. I'm thinking, listen, they're remembering 4,000 years ago and just being delivered from Egypt, which is great. I mean, that's a cool thing, being delivered from slavery and crossing the Red Sea and all that. But we've been delivered from sin and from death. We've been, we've been promised eternal life because 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. We got to take an eight-day celebration, don't you think? Come on. I mean, we're believers in Yahweh, Yeshua, Messiah. The one who rose from the dead, the promised one. The, pro- the one that the Passover was truly all about. Come, this is the great time, starting next Sunday, Palm Sunday. Uh, our theme for this Easter is Red Letter Day. It's, just, it's a red letter day. Palm Sunday is a red letter day. Good Friday is a red letter day. And Easter Sunday morning, it's the red letter days of all red letter days. And I encourage you, bring a friend. It's going to be a great, great, great celebration week. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the message next week. I'm excited about the message today too. But we're going to take our offering this morning at the end of this service. The last three weeks, we've talked about money. It's not a popular topic. Some people probably have seen the little things come through the the email. The only bummer about letting people know what you're going to preach ahead of time is they can decide if they want to come or not. But I do know today, I know today that one of the biggest areas of our life, one of the greatest challenges in most people's life is the management of money. It's just a fact. I I walked out this morning, I looked at two doors down, I saw a real estate sign that just went up in my neighbor, in my neighborhood this week. It was uh, one of my neighbors and and, uh, as I walked the dog this morning, I walked by the house and I noticed it was already completely empty inside and they had this little notice on the window. Well, there in that little, right right around where I lived, four of like the seven houses have gone into foreclosure or bankruptcy in the last four or five years. I mean, it's a huge problem, but it's a huge issue in our culture. It's a huge issue in, our, in our, our generation. And for believers, God has a promise and God has a plan. And over the last several years, uh, this particular brother that we're going to hear this morning, his name is Robert Morris. Over the last several years, God has used Robert to really help the body of Christ understand what the blessed life is really about. We've talked about abundance. We've talked about breaking debt. We're talking about getting a strategy and a plan for your resources and finances. And this morning, Robert Morris is going to wrap it all up for us. He's going to help us understand today that truly the abundant life, the truly blessed life is living your life to give. Living your life to give. I mean, it's what, it's what Jesus came to do. He came to give it all. And we are blessed people today. And the blessing of God and the abundance of God means He gives us more peace and more joy and more grace and more faith and more strength. And this morning, we weren't able to bring Robert in. He pastors a church of over 15,000 people in Dallas, Texas this morning. But by way of video, praise God for video, 
by way of video this morning. We're going to hear Robert share this morning for about 37 minutes, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to close the, uh, the service this morning, and we'll receive the offering. Can we go ahead and show the video now? two passages of scripture, Matthew 7 and Luke 6. Judge not, and you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay. Now, if you had to tell me what is the main subject or the main topic of the two verses that we just read and you could only use one word, what word would you say? What is the subject of the two verses we just read? Judging. All right, so now I'm, I want, let me ask, ask you a question. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, we just read it. Is there anything in these verses about money? Okay. I, I'm not, it's not a trick question, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me say it a different way because you, you, I, you'll think, oh, well, he'll turn it to money, I know. So, all right, let me say it a different way. Is the word money in verses 1 or 2? No. It's not in there. Does everyone agree? No, I said, does everyone agree? <laughs> everyone agrees. Okay. All right. All right. And we all agree this is talking about judging. Okay. Now, let's commit to short-term memory. Short-term. The first sentence and the last phrase of what we just read all right so just repeat this after me judge not and you will not be judged with the same measure you use it will be measured back to you luke 6 verse 37 luke 6 37 first sentence judge not and you will not be judged now look at the last phrase of verse 38 the last phrase of verse 38, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Are those the two same phrases from Matthew 7? Okay. This is the same passage. There's not a theologian in the world that I've ever met that does not agree that Luke 6 is the parallel passage with Matthew 7. Same sermon, sermon on the mount. But Luke 6, we have something we don't have in Matthew 7. Matthew was a fisherman. Luke was a physician, a little more detailed. Um, I don't know how we ever got it translated because everyone knows you can't read a physician's handwriting. But somehow, we got Luke 6. All right. So let me show you what Luke puts in there that was not in Matthew. It's the same passage, though. All right. Verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now watch verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. Yep, you ever, anyone ever heard that verse? For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, remind me again, what was this topic of Matthew 7? Judging. Okay, what's the topic of Luke 6? Judging. It's the same topic. It's the same subject. It's the same context. It, it, it didn't change. 
The reason, though, that we think that it is talking about something else, and many times we think Luke 6, 38 is talking about money, is because most of the time when you hear a sermon on Luke 6, 38, what's the preacher preaching on? Money, right? Okay, Luke 6, 38, give is the verb. That's the action. You is the implied subject. In other words, you is not in the verse, but it's implied. That's the subject. Jesus is saying, you give. And it, it is an objective pronoun, which means there's no such thing as an it. It has to be replaced with something. So what he's saying is, you give. And whatever you give, you're going to get more back. You, you will be given back to you. And then he uses terms, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, which actually refers to the way a, 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 a Jewish poor person would fill his or her basket in a field, in the corners of the field. Uh, uh, they used to joke about it that uh, workers would put like a half measure in their basket because the, the more they put in their basket, the heavier it was. But a Jewish person who was a, a poor person would put a good measure, then they would press it down, then they would shake it to try to get more to go to the bottom, and then they'd put so much in that it would run over. So those are the terms he's actually using. So Jesus is simply saying, whatever it is that you give, you're going to get more back in God's economy. And if you think about that, that's true. It's the same with a, um, an apple seed. If you give an apple seed, you don't get back one apple seed. You get back an apple tree, and the tree has many apples, and each apple has many seeds. See, so you always get back more than you give. Does everyone follow that? With God. Okay. What that tells me then is that Luke 6.38 is a great verse. It's also a terrible verse because it depends, think about it, on what you give. As a matter of fact, if you want to look at the context, here's what Jesus says. If you give judging or judgment, you're going to get judgment back. Now, here's the bad part. Good measure. Press down. So you don't hear a lot of preaching on this, do you? Shaking together and running over. And with the same measure you give it out, you'll get it back. That's what he's saying. If you give condemnation, but then he goes to give a positive. If you give forgiveness, you'll get forgiveness back. Now, the main subject, again, is judging. But can Luke 6.38 refer to money? Sure it can. Because in essence, what he says is, Whatever it is that you give, you'll get back. You know, you give judgment, you get judgment back. You give um, um, kindness, you get kindness back. Uh, give um, M&Ms, you get M&Ms back. <laughs> Some of you just got an idea. <laughs> Whatever you give, you get back. That's the point. That's what he's saying. But here's the problem that I have with a lot of the teaching on Luke 638. Pastors preach Luke 6.38 as the motive for giving instead of the reward. If you back up just a little, verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks of you. And then he says, if you read 30 through 36, he says, and when you loan, don't even expect it back. In other words, Luke 6 is actually saying, give to give, not give to get. But most of the time when we hear Luke 6.38, a preacher is telling us, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. And then here's what people do. They say, well, I want to get. So I'm going to give. And I'm wondering if God is thinking to himself, oh, this is wonderful. All of my people are catching the revelation 
of getting. That's not what giving is for. You understand who implemented giving, don't you? God. The one who doesn't need anything. You know what that tells me? God did not implement giving for him. He implemented giving for us. When are we ever going to get to the place in the body of Christ that we give to give, that we give to build the kingdom and not to get? We've got to come to that. It's a work in our hearts that God wants to do. And we've got to understand. Let me, let me make a shocking statement to you. Let me just to shock you a little bit, all right? God doesn't bless giving. He blesses giving with the right heart. If you're giving because you're selfish and you're greedy, I don't think God blesses that. But when you're giving because you just want to help someone and you want to build God's kingdom on this earth, that's what God blesses. So it's a heart issue. That's the title of the message today. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, flip back to Deuteronomy 15. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your what? Heart. It's all about the heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. All right, let me tell you four things that uh, we're all going to have to do to be able to live the blessed life. All right, number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your, what? Heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Now, here's what he's saying. In the uh, Israeli uh, economy, God implemented a system where all debts were canceled every seven years. How many of you would like to re-implement that system? Okay. And so here's what God was saying here. He understood how we think. And so he said, if someone comes and they have a need, don't even let the thought come in your mind, uh-oh, how close is the year Jubilee? Because if I lend this to him, this money to him, and this is the sixth year, uh-oh, only one more year, he can't pay it back in 12 months, then this debt's canceled, and I'll never get it back. You know what God said? He said, that's a wicked thought. That's what he calls it. Don't let a wicked thought. God calls selfishness wickedness. And do you understand we were all born selfish? I, I think, and I've told you this before, I think that the first word that uh, babies really learn to pronunciate well is mine. 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 That's exactly the way we are. Mine. We've got to come to the place where we deal with selfishness. And hopefully as we get older, we kind of grow out of it. I, I do have to admit, though, there is one area of selfishness. Ladies, you need to know this. That men never grow out of. Men, see, we're always telling our children, share, share. We always say, we try to teach them the concept of sharing. Okay, there's one area where men do not want to share. Men do not want to share our food. And I don't know why, but for some reason, you women want our food. 
what, what does every woman say when you're in the drive-thru and you say to her, what do you want? What does every woman say? Nothing. I'll just have some of yours. No, you won't. Now, you won't have any of mine. I'll get you two orders of fries, but you're not having any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine, too. Is that right? Point number one, deal with a selfish heart. Point number two, deal with a grieving heart. We grieve over money. Look at verse 10. You shall surely give to him and your what? Heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. Look at the promise. And in all to which you put your hand. God blesses us if we'll do this. See, selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Have you ever given a large sum to the church and then something breaks around the house? Right after you give it, something goes wrong. What's the devil do? Well, I wish you had that money back. You shouldn't give like that. You, you understand why the devil doesn't want you to give? You understand? Because every time you give to the kingdom, people get saved. Every time. That's why Satan hates it. Hates it more than anything. So, there's something in us. You know, sometimes I'm up, I'm up here preaching. I just had this thought. <laughs> and I probably should learn to... But I'm going to out to eat after this and I don't have any cash I just sat here and thought I don't have any cash I'm preaching on <laughs> thank you now that's a hundred hundred dollars thanks John <clears throat> all right let's keep going what's well, got a strange one <laughs> you know let's talk about that for a minute why, when I said I need some money, why did John get up that fast and come over and give me the money? Well, let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. It's mine. Now, is Pastor John, is, is he grieving? I hope he's not. <laughs> He's not grieving that he gave me that money because it was mine in the first place. He's just holding it for a little while, right? See, the reason we grieve over money that we lose or give or spend or is because we thought it was ours. And all the money we have comes from God. So when God asks for it, we get up immediately and we go give it to Him. Because we're really not giving it. We're just giving it back. Are you all following me? That was a good illustration, by the way, in case you didn't know. That was a good illustration. Okay, here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply Him liberally from your flock. That word in the Hebrew liberally means generously. From your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to Him. We've got to come to a place that we're, we don't only give, we not only give, we give generously. We give more than the need. We give over and above. 
it, it, it's like it excites us when we hear about a need. It doesn't turn us off. It excites us because we can meet that need. God's given us the resources and we can help these people. Think about these people in Guatemala in a third world country. And they got so excited to be able to, to build a better sanctuary, a larger sanctuary, so more people could get saved. And they gave generously. We've got to do that. But it all goes back to the heart. You have to understand, it's a matter of the heart. Matthew 6, 21. Please don't ever forget this scripture. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know that most people quote this scripture backwards? I've heard it quoted so many times backwards. I've even heard it quoted by preachers backwards. They say, you know, the Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be. No, it doesn't say that. And let me tell you why I want to make that distinction. Because it's not, it's not that your treasure follows your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. In other words, to give you a little example, if you put money in a stock, you start following that stock. You start praying for that stock. Why? Because part of your heart's there. Why is part of your heart there? Because part of your treasure's there. You see? So, it's a very simple premise. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, put your treasure there. I've even had people say, Pastor, I, I, I look around and I see these people who really, they just love God more than I do. I, I want to love God that much. I really want to just really love God. I want my heart to be in the kingdom. I say to them, start giving 20%. Oh, I don't know if I want it that much. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, very, very simple, put your treasure there. The more treasure you put into something, the more you put your heart there. So let me share with you a little bit about how God began to take my wife and me through this. Uh, years ago, uh, God spoke to us to get our finances in order. By the way, you can't be a giver unless you get your finances in order. And we'll help you. We have stewardship classes, counselors, ministers, own staff to be able to help you in that area. We'll help you if you'll just ask for help. So God said, get your finances in order. And I said, well, what do you mean? And so he told me three things that were specific to my finances. Now, these will help everyone, but I, I, he may tell you some different things as well. He told me three things. He said, number one, get out of debt. Well, uh, that took a while, by the way, but we started getting out of debt. One of the things that we did was we had a car that the car payment, oh, this, is, this is sad what I'm about to tell you. This is back in the mid-80s. The car payment was bigger than our house payment. We bought this expensive car, and we had no, no reason. We should not have done it, you know. And so we sold the car. He said, sell the car and buy a car for cash. So we sold the car, and we bought a car for $750. Paid cash. We bought a 1973 Ford station wagon with 130,000 miles on it. And, but we loved the car. I mean, we prayed over it. We anointed it with oil uh, about a quarter a week. <laughs> and we drove that car, and we really were happy in that car. Do you know why we were happy? And some of you can relate to this, because we knew we were in the center of God's will financially for the first time in our lives. We knew that that was God's provision for us. Second thing he said to me was, don't manipulate. Stop manipulating. I was an evangelist, and I traveled, and I had this uh, mailing list, and I would sell tapes in the foyers. And I'm not saying anything that's wrong. For me, though, there was something in my heart that was wrong. So then the third thing that the Lord told me was give. I want you to begin to give extravagantly as I tell you to. 
And so one long after that, that uh, you got to remember, I was an evangelist, and our entire salary came from, from uh, love offerings. I would travel to a church and speak, and they would give us a love offering. Now, some churches gave us uh, like offerings. <laughs> uh, some gave us don't like offerings, don't come back. And so uh, anyway, I had one meeting for the whole month. And the church was a church of about 60 people, and it was on a Sunday night. It wasn't even a week-long revival. It was one service on a Sunday night, and that was all I had for the whole month. And I went and preached, and after I preached, the pastor came up to me, and he was so excited. He had such a giving heart, and he'd ask the people to give, and, and people gave because God was speaking to them. There was no manipulation. And so the, he comes up to me afterwards. He says, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. And he showed me the amount of the check, and it was, uh, a whole, it was enough for the whole month. One check, enough for the whole month. And I, I said, that's, that's, that's just amazing. You know, and I was thinking, I, I, praise the Lord, you've provided. And while he, the pastor was talking to me, I glanced over his shoulder, and I saw a missionary that had shared his test, shared about the work in, in Mexico right before I had um, preached. And I heard this little voice said, Give him the check. And I remember immediately what I said. I said, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's not God. Uh, that's not God. And um, um, that's not the Lord. And uh, this voice just got louder and louder. Give him the check. Give him the check. Give him the check. Give him the check. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> That you provide, it's, it's a month's salary. It's, it's for me. I don't have any more meetings. I, you know, I just, and this voice. And all of you, you've heard this when you've given extravagantly. You've heard this. And you just have this wrestling inside. And finally I said, okay, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So I went over to him. I endorsed the back of the check. I folded it so he wouldn't see the amount. And I uh, handed him the check. And I said, don't look at this until you leave. But God told me to do it. And I said, don't tell anyone that I did it. And so we went out to eat that night um, uh, with some people. And some uh, uh, just some folks, and there were like six uh, couples. And uh, the lady sat on one end of the table, and the guy sat on the other end of the table. And uh, all of a sudden, the four guys here, there were six guys, six ladies, the four guys here started talking. And the guy sitting across from me, I'd met him one time before, one time on a deer hunt in Colorado. And he leans across the table like this to me, and for some reason, I just kind of leaned in too, you know. <laughs> and he said to me, how much was the love offering? Like that. And so I told him how much it was. And then he said to me, where's the check? Like that. And I know I shouldn't have. I didn't tell him the truth, and I know I shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. I know that's wrong, but I didn't want anyone to know what we'd done. You understand God was dealing with me about manipulation. So I didn't want him to know. So I said, uh, Debbie has it. <laughs> And he, he said, go get it. I want to see it. And so I said, okay. And so I got up and I walked down to where Debbie was and I kind of bent down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Good. Okay. I said, there wasn't anything else to say. There was no check, you know. And so I went back and these guys are still talking and I said to him, and I know I shouldn't have, but I didn't want anyone to know. And I, I said, it's in the car. And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? <laughs> I mean, if, if you know so much, you know, where is it? And he said, you gave it away, didn't you? <laughs> 
And I said, yeah, I, I did. How did you know that? Now, let me tell you something. This is the first person I'd ever met uh, in, had the motivational gift of giving. And he said to me, God told me before I came to the service tonight. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out his check, uh, a check that he had written before he came. And he opened the check up and he held it out like this. And it was exactly ten times the amount of the check I'd just given away. Exactly. And the check I'd given away was not in round numbers. It was an offering. It had dollars and cents and this had dollars and cents on it. And he held it out like this. And he was holding the top part, and I reached out and I took the bottom part. And I remember, he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I now know what he was doing. And and because I, I, I looked right across the top of the check, and I was looking right in his eyes. He's holding the top, I'm holding the bottom. And he said to me, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. And And I was just noticing something. And I've never done this before, and I don't want to embarrass him. But I just, he's sitting in the service tonight, and he goes to our church now. I just want you to stand up. And if you can get a, turn that camera right there. Joe, will you just stand up? This is Joe Faulkner that did that over 25, 25 years ago. I'm telling the truth, Joe, aren't I? I'm telling the truth what God did that. And God started doing something in my heart in the area of giving. And we started giving extravagantly. And we started literally paying people salaries that were out of work. And we started giving cars away. And every time we'd give a car, God would give us another car. And, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. And let me tell you something. We've been doing this over 20 years now. I have not stopped giving extravagantly. I still give extravagantly to this day. When God speaks, I give. Because I have a track record. He has a track record. I know. We, we had someone call me up one time and said, Robert, we'd like to give a, a car to a couple in the church, but we want to do it anonymously. So, And we know you give away a lot of vehicles, and so can we give the car to your ministry, and then you give the car to them and don't tell them who it's from. We just want, to, we just want it to be anonymous. And I said, well, sure. So they gave me the car. I had to go down and transfer the title into the ministry's name. As soon as I transferred the title into our name, then the next day, I'm going to give the car to this, this family in the church, and the engine went out. I owned it one day. <laughs> and the one day that I had it, the engine went out. And so we put a brand new engine in it, paid for it, and then I took it over and gave it to them. And then I, I was a little miffed at the Lord. Because <laughs> I said, Lord, you know, it could have gone out the day before or the day after. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, it went out the day I wanted it to go out. Because I blessed you, son. And the family that was given the car didn't have the money to put a, a new engine in it. And the family that was getting it didn't have the money to put a new engine in it. But I blessed you and you had the money. And if you're going to gripe about it, I can stop blessing you. Because you're a conduit of my blessing. I said, thank you, Lord. I'll, I'll be that conduit. And then he told me he's, we had a, a van and he said, sell your van. Just like that. In my quiet time, sell your van. And I said, Lord, you know, we like to give vehicles away. You know, I, I, I don't want to sell it. I want to give it to someone. And he said, and then I even said kind of pridefully, you know, I don't sell vehicles. I give them away. And the Lord said to me, no, you obey. That's what you do. You obey. So I said, okay, well, how much do you want me to sell the van for? He said $12,000. And the next day, this is Saturday morning, the next day in church, this guy walks up to me and says, hey, you want to sell your van? 
I said, uh, yeah, I do. He said, 12,000. I said, yeah, that'll be fine. He writes me a check right there. He pulls his checkbook out. He writes a check to our ministry that owned the van, $12,000. We give him the van. And on Monday, we go to Costa Rica for a mission trip. And I'm in Costa Rica, and the missionary picks me up in an old rickety van. And you, if you've ever been on another, another country on a mission trip, you know. I mean, we're going along, and there's exhaust coming up through the floor, you know. And we're bouncing around like this. We're just kind of, you know. And I say to this missionary, why don't you get you a new van? And he said, I'm about to. He said, I was praying last week about it, and I was driving by this car dealership, and the Lord told me, stop. And I went over, and there was a van, and he told me, I'm going to give you this van. I said to the guy, how much is it? <laughs> this was back in the mid-80s. The guy said to him, I said, hey, you want to take a guess, by the way, how much it was? <laughs> yeah, he said 12000 I said, go get it. Here's the check. Listen to me. This is fun. Do you understand? I'm not talking about a life of drudgery. I'm talking about the most fun you can have as a Christian. Is when God speaks, you obey. It's, it's that simple. And then one day, we just, I can't, and there's so many testimonies I can't even tell you. But then one day, we're, I'm having my quiet time. And just like that, the Holy Spirit says to me, will you give me everything? And I knew immediately what he meant. Everything in our checking account, everything in our savings account, everything in our retirement account, everything in the ministry checking account, everything in the ministry savings account. We had two vehicles at the time, both cars and the house. I knew immediately what he was asking. And something rose up in me that I can't even describe to you, such a joy. And I said, Lord, I would love to give you everything. That'd be the greatest thing I could do is give you everything. Because you gave me everything. And so he directed, Debbie and I sat down and prayed, and he directed where the funds were to go, where the car, to whom the cars were to go to, and to, uh, and the house. And we, we divvied it all up. And I'm, a few days later, I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And I was kind of thinking about what I'd given. And I was smiling. And I was proud of myself, really. And the Lord said to me, what are you smiling about? And I said, oh, nothing. <laughs> I didn't want him to know, you know. He said, come on, what are you smiling about? I said, oh, and I really said this. I really did. I said, well, I don't want to embarrass you. He said, you don't want to embarrass me? He said, try. I said, well, I said, it's not a big deal, but I said, yeah. yeah. You know that old saying, you can't outgive God? He said, I've heard that. I said, well, I think I did. I don't want you to feel bad or anything, you know, but I mean, you know, I, that much money, both cars, our house. I said, I, this time I think I got you. I remember so clearly, he said, you think you got me? And the phone rang. And I picked it up, said hello, and the man on the other end of the phone said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And my thought was, he's going to buy us a car. And this is what I thought. I thought, but I still got you. <laughs> I mean, even if he buys a car, I think at that time, we'd given away seven at that time. 
We give him, you know, we, we give him all this. So even if he buys a car, I, st- I still got you. So I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? And the guy said, he told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm going to pay for the hangar, and I'm going to pay for the insurance, and I'm going to pay for the fuel, and I've hired a pilot, and I'm going to pay his salary, and here's his name and number, and you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. Gotcha. Now listen to me. Listen. Listen very important. This is not about airplanes. We gave it away. Okay? It's not about airplanes. I, I, we gave it away. I don't care about airplanes. You understand? I'm telling you that God wanted to do a work in my heart. And my heart was forever changed. And then the next day, I'm having my quiet time. But I'm thinking, this just, you're just amazing, God. And I'm reading in 1 Kings 3. And I mentioned it to you earlier in the series. It talks about Solomon who gave a thousand bulls. And that night, God came to him and said, ask anything you want. And I remember the Lord said to me, I only say to extravagant givers to ask anything you want. He said, I'll never say it to a selfish person. And I'm just sitting there reading in the Bible and I'm just thinking to myself, well, Lord, that's so cool. That's so cool what you just showed me. I wasn't even thinking about what we just done about giving everything. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, ask. Just like that. Ask. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And I knew immediately what I wanted. And it came out of my mouth so quickly. I said, Lord, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love all the days of our lives. I don't want to lose my marriage. And the Lord said to me, you got it. Listen to me. The airplane's not the best part. A blessed life is the best part. A blessed marriage, a blessed family. God's blessing on my life. That's what I want for you. I want you to understand if you give the first portion to God, it's blessed. And then when you give over and above that, it will multiply. If you just do what God says, stop letting money have such a hold on you. And begin to obey God. And when God says give, give. And I promise you, I promise you on the authority of God's word, you'll live the blessed life. Here's the... The, the last point, number four, develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. When I was in Guatemala, um, a guy read the book, The Blessed Life. And most of you know this too. Um, all the proceeds from The Blessed Life have gone to Gateway Church. I've not made any money off of it. One guy even said to me one time, he said, you know, I think it's ironic that you wrote a book on giving and you made a lot of money off of it. I couldn't even believe it. And I said to him, well, I didn't make a penny off of it, pal. I gave all the money to the church. So God has blessed the book. It's literally gone all over the world. Been number three on the bestsellers list. I, I, I wrote it in a week. It sold more than all of my other books combined. The other books I took months on. That tells you something. <clears throat> but um, this guy came up to me in Guatemala, and he'd read the book. And I get this a lot, but God just reminded me of something and here I was about to preach this to you and share with you this guy came up and he said can I ask you a question very sincere I said sure he said I read the book and in the book it's got your giving testimony about how many times you've given everything you had all of your savings your retirement your house all the, all the extravagant times you've given to the Lord 
He said, I'm really, I'm, I'm really sincere. I want to ask you something. He said, how, how do you do that? And when he said it, immediately, I was reminded of what my life was like before I got saved. And I said to him, it's easy. If you knew my past, if you knew what God saved me out of, you'd give everything to. And I understand, I'm not setting myself up as the perfect example of giving. Please understand that. I have struggled just like you have in this area. All of us struggle. But gratitude is what produces generosity. When you allow the Lord to remind you, the verse, and I didn't even, I didn't read the verse. I'm sorry I didn't read it. Verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I want you to notice too that he said, I'm commanding you to be generous. I'm commanding my people to be generous people. And he says, and if you need to know why you need to be generous, remember you were slaves. Remember you didn't own anything and I redeemed you. That's my motivation for giving. It is not to get. It is that there's absolutely no way that I can ever pay God back for everything he's done for me. And I want every person to know the joy that I know by knowing Jesus. Listen, God really does want you to live a blessed life so you can be a blessing. Amen. Wow. Pretty moving. I just, I wanted just to reiterate just a couple things that he said in there. He talked about the motive versus reward. And we give to give. We love to give. Two weeks, we're going to have a resurrection offering, and we've done it every year, almost since the beginning of the church. Where at Easter we come together, believers that are part of this church family, because of our gratefulness and thankfulness for what Christ has done for us. We do know our life before He saved us. Many of us can't. Some of us grew up in the church, and we can't really remember a life without Christ. But I, I remember a life without Christ, and I know what He's done for me, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And I love to give. We have to deal with the selfish heart. We just have to deal with it. what God did in his life and telling him to give everything away that was very specific to him. But all of us can live generously. All of us, no matter what age, we can live a blessed life. Dealing with a grieving heart. Being you know, sad when we give our money away and then it doesn't, something doesn't work the way that we, that we think that it should. Developing a generous heart is the heart, is the heart that God has for every person here. Because when we develop a generous heart, we develop a blessed life. And that's what God has for each of us today. And this morning, we're going to receive our tithe and our offering. And uh, we make no apologies. I mean, it's just, it is the number one issue in the church today. One of the number one issues. There's a couple of them. But it's such a big issue. It's what keeps so many people from really living the life that God has called them to. They just can't see how God is going to meet their need. I want, to, I want to encourage you today. This first service, I think most people in here probably believe this. 
But when we come to this resurrection offering this Easter, we have two projects. And one of them is really practical. We're calling it the Global Church Offering because one of them is we have some needs right here in this own facility. And we've been in this building now uh, since 2000, 2013, will be nine years. And the flooring, the carpet, it's all, we put this in, in here when we moved in here. But it's had thousands, I don't even know how many people have been on the floor and you pull the chairs up. It's just, it's really nasty. And uh, we have so many honored guests that we want to welcome. The building over in the round that needs new floor. We need to just have some practical things that we need to take care of. And, and we've committed also to this church in Cuba, the Confidence in God Church. And I got a call from the missionary two weeks ago. They had to stop building because they've run out of funds. And, and we're going to give a portion. We're going to give a portion to the resurrection offering so they can continue to work. They can continue to build the building that they're working on. And we're committed to these people. We love our brothers and sisters in Cuba. So I want to encourage you, ushers are going to come this morning. We're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. And I do want to pray to you the blessing of the Lord. And so we remember what God has done for us. As we remember His goodness and His grace in our life and what He's brought us from, it's a great honor that we can give our tithe and our offering. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I believe God's called you to be producers today. God's called the work of your hand to be blessed. Whatever, whatever kind of work you do, whatever you work at, I believe God wants you to succeed at. And I also believe God wants you to be generous today. I want you to take your offering today. I want you to, to place your hand on it. If you're sitting next to your spouse and you both are prepared to give, maybe you've already given online this week, you can go ahead and take, you know, just take represent what's in your hand because it represents your labor and your work. I'm going to pray the blessing of the Lord over it today. Father, I thank you for the gift and I thank you for the giver. I thank you for those who are generous today at City Church. I thank you for those, Lord, who've made your kingdom possible here in this community. We thank you that, Lord, we've been able to make every mortgage payment and every light payment and every water bill and every insurance payment. But we've never missed a, a payroll for staff. And you've been so good to us. You've been so good to us. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. As a church family, Lord, this first service, Lord, so many are so generous and they love you. And Lord, I thank you that you've just, you challenge us again today to just live open-handed. God, if we've been, if we've been stingy, Lord, if we've, if we've had a grieving heart, Lord, if, Lord, if we haven't lived the way that you want us to live in every dimension in this way, we ask you to forgive us. God, today we just come and we say thanks. We have this opportunity to give to you. Father, I thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that, that makes us realize how good you are to us, how gracious you are. God bless your people today in your mighty and awesome and wonderful name. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Would you give your tithe and your offerings?